I think it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Good afternoon, evening, hello, hope you're happy and healthy wherever you are right now. It's a, it was actually a very pretty day out, very sun, very filled with sunshine. And we're going to have a weather in the 30s and 40s for the next week and a half, so it's a kind of a moderate winter. It was not moderate on uh, Friday night. I wanted Tim Hogan, the uh, the chief director of our, I don't know, I keep changing it, I chief change director. it, chief, chief director, I like that. chief director of our newsroom here for Heartland Signal, follow him and all the work that they do on Twitter. Heartland Signal. Uh, I wanted to become excited. I mean, I love when you're here. I love when yeah. you do this whenever you're in the building. I message you today. I'm like, we got to talk about Friday. <laughs> love to be here. And uh, and everything else, the uh, copycat uh, crimes in Brazil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just very strange. Uh, okay, 15 rounds of voting for yep. Speaker of the House. Uh, there were, I mean, and we had we had Bobert and uh, Gates going on, uh, fighting even with, uh, with Sean Hannity, mm-hmm. uh, being nice to MSNBC, I guess, except mm-hmm. for, what did she call? She said you're you're losing or you're a failure. She yes. called uh, Stephanie Rule a failure yep. uh, for saying that red flag laws don't work. Anyway, um, so what? <laughs> how did you think, Tim Hogan, going into Friday late night, 10 o'clock uh, Central Time, did you think they were going to get it done on Friday? I really thought that they had to. It's like there just was not a – there was no better option. I would say sidebar to Hakeem Jeffries has now received more votes for Speaker than John Banner ever did because they ran it so many times, which is incredible. <laughs> I really do love that. Thank you, Kevin McCarthy. Um, but it is I, – I thought there was no way they couldn't not get it done. It, they were either going to get it done that night or I don't know what was going to happen. Uh, the fact that they had that motion to adjourn and we went into times, you know, and functionally stopped. Everybody voted. And at the last second, there appeared to be a deal uh, and they ran the vote for the 15th time. Um, if they weren't going to do it that night, then like you had mentioned before we started the show here, it's a whole weekend. Yeah. A whole weekend. And momentum was shifting towards Kevin McCarthy's side. And generally, when you get more time, you know, you have you the, the momentum, the way it's going continues. But uh, you don't want to be in that situation if you're Kevin McCarthy. It's a very fragile coalition that you've built. You have people who may just throw their hands up and say, all right, I'm not doing this anymore. Uh, you know, we got to find somebody else. And it gives your opposition time to organize. So uh, I thought they were either going to get done Friday or it was not going to get done. Well, so when when they and one of the Republicans made the motion, let's adjourn until Monday. Yeah. And I was with you at first. I was like, OK, good. You know, and the Democrats were all voting. Yeah, let's adjourn until Monday. I know they were saying, let's stay here and get yep. this done. And this followed a really uh, a, a historic moment on live television and C-SPAN getting to follow whatever's going on and please let everybody at C-SPAN do it this way <laughs> because since there's only one vote they now need to vacate the speaker seat yeah. <laughs> let's do this yep. um, but you see as soon as the vote comes down because uh, uh, you know the uh, Gates vote Late in the he, he decided to vote at the very right. end, and that allowed him to make it all about himself, yeah. which you know, very Matt Gates. And what it came down to is they needed him to vote in the affirmative for McCarthy yeah. in order for it 
to happen. Otherwise, it was 216, 216, and uh, 50% in a deadlock is not considered a majority. Uh, and Gates wouldn't do it. Gates voted president. Right. He, so he votes to president, and, and immediately Kevin McCarthy makes a beeline yep. for where he, and I didn't realize until later, because uh, I didn't see, there were so many things, and she's tiny. Bobert is tiny. I didn't mm-hmm. see that they were sitting next to each other. And uh, you see, it like, and then there's like some guy that's like sitting and crouching in front of Gates, like, but not just crouching. Like, there's one guy that looks like he's eating his ear or something, <laughs> like nibbling on him. I don't know what's happening. Uh, there, and I wish, I, I know that some people are, are sharing some of the language that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, of course, I don't know if you've seen some of the bad lip reading videos. Yes, are very, very good. funny. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then Mike Rogers comes across and, and is like yelling, and then some hand comes out of nowhere and is pulling his face. Yeah. My husband and I were thinking as they were taking the vote to adjourn that it would have like once the Republicans started to switch and look they you know the the Democrats could have kept their votes uh, if they had flipped their votes maybe they, it wouldn't have helped but I w- we were thinking let that be the story yeah and let them continue to eat each other right like a snake that just doesn't like right. just going to keep going to eat and that itself. would that would be the story it would be chaos right because yeah. that's how they would have left it so you know uh, to the to that point too it's it's that's a terrible spot for Kevin McCarthy to be in you have no control we know you have no control over your caucus but right. now it's two days of that right and you're really going to adjourn until until Monday. And to your point, yeah, Democrats voted to like, no, keep going, keep voting, right? right? Keep it here. So um, would it be too much of a of it being? I mean, it was all a show anyway, right? Yeah. Uh, would it, do you think it would have been kind of poor taste to go? Oh, okay, let's yeah, let's uh, let's adjourn. now let's adjourn on Monday. We're flipping our votes too. Yeah. Would that be too much? Uh, I don't. I mean, they think that the general strategy is like you want to you keep your opponents there, right? Like it's it's chaos on display so you know don't adjourn yeah but once you know that you're not going to win the vote and they are i mean that i mean ultimately it's a lot of show that's what happens every time is you just vote the opposite oh you're doing that well then we're going back to the other thing is it it too gross yeah i guess a little bit yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well because i look i even i was surprised at how many people pushed back on those of us who enjoyed uh congresswoman katie porter wearing a uh orange shirt matching the book cover to what she was reading which was a subtle art of not giving a fart yeah uh, that's a good word for a hard k at the <laughs> um, I thought, I mean, like, look, uh, this is where we're at. Is yeah. You have to be a showman in order to get attention. We're, no one's writing about you or tweeting about you if you're right. just kind of going along with the flow. And, like, you know, she was on her 15th vote. Yeah. It's, I, I think about the amount of times, like, people, they must be, like, waking up in the middle of the night and be like, Jeffries, you know, because right. you've had to do the vote so many times. <laughs> right. it is, it is, there's also, like, the human aspect of boredom. Like, you have to be there. And members of Congress, I don't know if people know this, are not actually used to being on the floor. Senators right. are not used to being in the Senate. It maybe is, like, right. a part of our dysfunction, right, is that we don't actually have a conversation on the floor. And maybe when you get everybody on the floor, this is what happens. There's generally chaos and screaming and mouth grabbing and, oh uh, God, you know, finger pointing. Yeah. But uh, that is not something that members of Congress are used to. And so they're sitting there thinking, like, what am I supposed to do right now? And so it's like, oh, well. The like, C-SPAN cameras are positioned normally not even where they are. They've got great angles of everything. So much good footage of over the weekend. Uh, and, like, honestly, kudos to, to C-SPAN uh, for getting what they got. Um, and this is what you do. You yeah. have a little fun. You have a little it's, fun. It's, it's, it is what it is yeah. on the 15th vote, yeah. right? 
Yeah, well, and look, it wasn't the Republicans. It was that woman, Cat, who was wearing two different dresses at the same time. The, uh, <laughs> who said that it was the that the Democrats, uh, you know, there was chaos as or people were enjoying this drama or show with an S, a double S, um, as evidenced by the Democrats bringing popcorn, popcorn blankets and booze. Yeah, and now there are people saying this is what happens on the Republican side. This is when rednecks are drinking on the floor. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? Uh, yeah, I mean. I mean, and I didn't, you know, I wasn't going to go after a guy. I saw, I saw a Republican uh, congressman from the Northern Mariana Islands hit a vape pen on the floor. I don't, think, really? <laughs> I don't think that's allowed, honestly. That's I think we caught like wild. a slight. I don't, well, I don't even, I can't even say that it's not allowed because there wasn't a rules package in place. So technically it was anarchy on the floor because there's no speaker. There are no rules. That's fair. There, you know? yeah, there You're not supposed to take rules. pictures on the floor. That's a big no-no. But like, you know, Maxwell Frost Selfies and others and, were doing that because yep. like there's no rules right now. Right. So. Well, okay. So let me think. There's a couple of things that, so one, both Boebert and Gates said that they were never going to vote for McCarthy. So that was what yeah. was so interesting coming into that 15th vote when Boebert voted for – she voted present. Yep. So now the only choice he has is a vote present or for an, or for right. another or for somebody else again. Yeah, and the, the issue and for, was – and what started to come together on the 15th vote is like some of those holdouts uh, – like like Rosendale, right? Yeah. Voted present. That's what they need. That's all you needed. None of them actually sure. voted for him, right. right? You just keep. You need enough people to lower the threshold. And uh, I mean, technically, Gates he could have voted for McCarthy and ended it, but there's no. He's not going to. It just no. was. It's too, it's too distasteful for him to to, to cast a vote in the affirmative for McCarthy. No, and then and then when asked, he said. I ran. The reason he voted present and allowed McCarthy essentially to become mm-hmm. the speaker was he had run out of things to ask for. Yeah. What in the? What is that? Yeah, yeah. Which means that McCarthy was giving away the house, literally. Right. I mean, we're getting a we're going to get a look tonight too. Um, you know, and this is this is step that was step one. Tonight is step two, which I think they're engaged on the floor right now, which is the rules package. This is this whole debate was just about nominating or having Kevin McCarthy be speaker. Now they need to determine what the rules are for the House and and what we know of and what commitments that McCarthy has made uh, so far, are like incredibly dangerous in terms of spending cuts, in terms of power that he is giving over to the House Freedom Caucus. I mean, we are guaranteed basically at this point to have a huge showdown over the debt ceiling and like we've inched closer you know 2011 we came very close but i think we're gonna have a crisis on our hands because mccarthy's speakership is so weak uh now there are a handful of moderate republicans like brian fitzpatrick from pennsylvania don bacon from uh nebraska who have said there's a world and i mentioned this to you on a previous show where if if there's a real threat of of defaulting of the United States defaulting on its debt that they may go along with Democrats doing a discharge petition strategy which means you get all your Democrats together and then you just need four Republicans to sign a discharge petition which basically means okay Democrats we don't we don't control the chamber we're not the speaker of the house but if everybody signs this petition we can bring whatever we want to the floor every Democrat plus four Republicans um, and that would be a way around that crisis the fact that we are talking about that though at this stage right. is like we're 
already talking about how Democrats are going to have to save Republicans from themselves and like prevent <laughs> them from crashing the economy. Yeah. Like, how is uh, this? You know what I mean? Like, we're we're in an, it's a, it's absolute chaos right now. Oh my god. Well, okay. Let's talk about that when we come back. Uh, the fact that we have to save Republicans from destroying the economy because their entire thing is to make Biden look bad. Because how much do people really follow right. what the House does and how they're responsible for a lot of things yep. going on? We're talking to Tim Hogan, Chief Director of Heartland Signals New Newsroom and a great contributor here at WCPT for our talk shows as well. You can hear him on my show and on uh, on Jones' show. Uh, always great to get his insight. He's got a lot of experience with political strategy. So let's talk about that when we come back on Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez. And thanks to our sponsors, Monaco Brewing. Go to our Patty Vasquez show page to find out all the Chicago land locations where you can pick up a progressive brew. It's pinned right there at the top of the page. We also want to thank our friends at Kids Above All. Go to kidsaboveall.org. How you can help children re- re- reach their potential. A lot of kids who have been uh, subject to trauma and really a lot of chaos in their lives. Uh, the folks over there at Kids Above All are doing their best to help them from early childhood through employment as adults. And we also want to thank our friend Warren at European and U.S. Car Service. Go to europeanus.com to find out about all the great work they do there. More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. The Hal Sparks Radio Program. They don't have to refund if the land gets taken back. So I think they are just sacrificing Russian soldiers for this Pez dispenser of Russian cash over and over and over again. They're reclaiming this land. They get paid for taking the land. They lose it. And then they get paid for taking it again. And they're not even doing the fighting themselves. It's grotesque. Hal Sparks, Saturdays from 11 to 1 on WCPT 820, Chicago's Progressive Talk. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. Hi, this is Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And we are in studio with uh, Tim Hogan. We are in studio with Tim Hogan, our executive director of... Uh, see, I keep changing it. Chief Director, Director in Chief. All the titles I have. I have all the titles. <laughs> all the titles yeah. for the Heartland Signal newsroom. And uh, he's looking at uh, trying to find out where all the uh, what rules have been released to the public so far. One we know for sure. Because at the beginning of the week, when the vote started for Kevin McCarthy as Speaker of the House, it had come down to five people, the majority party, could move to vacate the Speaker of the House. Now, what had it been, what is it usually? Do you have, uh, do you have, the, do you know how much, it, how many people it take, took before or, because every, every House mm-hmm. in every, in each session, this is the, the what is this, the 118th, mm-hmm. um, has the ability to develop their own rules. Yep. And uh, I don't know how many it was before that, but it had gotten to five by Friday, only one member of the majority party could move to vacate right. the speaker. Right. Which is just chaos because yes. it is normally, so no, in a normal world, uh, that is a majority, normal majority vote. The majority of the chamber, uh, at least the way that that rule is traditionally written, a majority of the chamber has to agree to consider a vote on ousting the speaker. And in that world, if you 
start that motion, that speaker's probably leaving because the majority has has uh, voted for that. McCarthy sort of has whittled his way down to like he was at five and now it's one, which means that really if anybody wants to just disrupt what the right. House is doing, Matt Gaetz can be like, nah, we got to vote again on vacating the speaker and eat up floor time. And that's like what, what you could do. It could be like an endless game of attempting to vacate the speaker uh, and bring any any progress to a halt. So it's basically giving uh, an individual member of the House a little bit of a veto card. Now, you know, there's ways to, to suspend the rules and, and not have that person just, you know, con- con- continually hitting a button like a monkey with symbols, right? Like <laughs> calling another vote. Um, but but that is that is what it has done by, by lowering the threshold that much. Uh, it's an opportunity to eat up a ton of time. Well, and, and that's the thing. It, it basically, they've set it up so that each one of them could just be speaking at some point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> was, yeah. I was wondering, I mentioned to my husband, because there were so many people getting up to nominate someone else, I thought, are they doing this so they can all be on the record? Electeds <sighs> have this huge thing about being on the record and giving some speech. Yeah. In Springfield, I've told this story before, there was a legislator that was retiring in the middle of his term, and it took. Th- I, was in, I was in the press box. Yeah. And I've eventually left, and I just watched it on the the uh, uh, ILGA.gov. By the way, everyone can watch the live mm. proceedings of everything that happens. Yes, and uh, I, I messaged a couple of legislators. I'm like, dudes, my dudes, <laughs> just rent a bowling alley, get the guy some flowers, and get off my dime. Yeah, right. But that's what it started to look like. I'm like, are they going to do this so everyone that wants to speak is on the record? Yeah. For why they, you know, their values, and and there is something of that. Is what it felt oh, like. I, oh, absolutely. I mean, because you have the caucus of 20 that were the holdouts and the rebels last week. Those are your most vocal people, right? They are. They yeah. tend to be the loudest. It is. It is also just like demonstrably what's wrong with our politics. It's like the people who are the loudest are going to talk the most. Right. And it is not 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 me saying that, like, look, you know, the rest of the Republican caucus are a bunch of saints. uh, But those 20, those fringiest members cause the most trouble because they are also the ones who make the most noise. Uh, My other question is, how how would Republicans have responded if while uh, Speaker Pelosi at any time during her term as as the the speaker had, uh, you know, trying to negotiate things and someone flashed a phone that said Obama was on the line? Right. I mean, totally undercut her. Lost their minds. Totally undercut her authority. Right. They would. And also Nancy Mace, who is this congresswoman from South Carolina, too, was on a Sunday show talking about how, look, she's really upset that Kevin McCarthy may have negotiated a backroom deal of this, like, three-page rules addendum. We'll see what it looks like, and I might not vote for the rules, because that's something Nancy Pelosi would do. It's actually literally something Nancy Pelosi has never done. It's always straightforward when Nancy Pelosi does it, and it's people unanimously voting for her, and it was clean and easy. And I know democracy can be messy, but, like, democracy's not supposed to look like civil war like we saw with the Republicans. Republicans on the House floor. So, um, yeah, there's like there's there's just it's just almost there's no comparison. Uh, the the heels to fill Kevin McCarthy cannot fill them. Um, it's it's we're, it's like night and day. It's like absolute night and day transition between speakers here. You bring up a really good point, because I was wondering how the Republicans who voted for McCarthy from the very beginning were starting to feel as they saw everything being given away yeah. to the 20 holdouts. Right. Well, I, yeah. And it's and that is why when when we get to the rules package here, you 
have people like Representative Tony Gonzalez, Representative Nancy Mace, who are more establishment Republicans now being like, all right, well, the next vote's coming, but I have no idea what you just gave away to these people. Yeah. And you're going to give the House Freedom Caucus a bunch more uh, power. Uh, you are going to potentially give Matt Gates. You know, this is why Mike Rogers had a had a you know hand over his mouth because he's like, that's my committee. Yeah. The- why are you giving away subcommittee spots? And it's like everyone plays this game right now where it's like, I didn't ask for anything. Marjorie Taylor Greene's in front of the cameras being like, I didn't ask for anything. Matt Gates saying, I didn't ask for anything. They asked for something. Yeah. Right. And whether or not it's in writing in the rules package or whether or not it's an appointment that's negotiated to a subcommittee, they asked for something. Right. Yeah. That, is, that is why Mike Rogers was like, you know. Over my dead body. (laughs) Over my closed mouth. I don't know. Yeah, that was... I really... Like I said, had the Democrats been able to then reverse their votes in in opposition to the Republicans and adjourn until Monday, that... It's just chaos. But then again, maybe it is, you know, and, you know, I'm not going to get hoity-toity about Democrats uh, taking the higher ground and our national, you know, image, Mm -hmm. but it's not a great look for America in general. You know, for then for that showmanship, right? Yep. That that would not have been a pretty look either, yeah. because we were starting to get into territory. Look, there are things going on globally that put us at risk, and we do need them to have the intel and start doing their jobs. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We can't. Yeah, you can't just not have a Congress. No, as, as much as of a libertarian dream that might be, like uh, you need to have a government. Yeah, that that is functioning exactly. <laughs> it, it was uh, it was sheer chaos. So they so you're saying they're they're convening tonight to discuss the rules. Yeah, they are. Package? They're convening, and I think um, McCarthy is is uh, facing that test really right now. Um, you know, uh, he is. Um, presiding over the first session, and it's it's a test of his leadership, sort of as the chamber tries to pass the rules under which it's going to like operate in the Congress. Um, so, you know, one of those provisions, like we talked about, was uh, making it really easy for one of his detractors to be able to remove him, which is a fun thing to be able to really advocate for. I'm sure uh, as one of your first acts as speaker. Oh my, it's it is it is absolutely asinine, and it was fun to though watch. I mean, uh, I don't know how. I, I, I don't know how many people realize the difference. Somebody mentioned this, uh, and this is so stupid to refer to, but Marjorie Trader Greene's hair. Uh, she was very uh, slick yesterday making the, uh, the, I don't know what talk show she was on, but saying that uh, that as far as like some of the crazy things, because she was asked, do you mm-hmm. think that President Biden is, a, of course he's the president. It's a ridiculous question. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, that's, it's, well, that's how they always do it. It was, uh, it was um, um, it's like Howie Kurtz or whatever on Media Buzz on uh, Fox News, which is like their media analysis program, which is like the fact that that there's some sort of like media critic at Fox News is hilarious to me. It's like as if there's any self-reflection. But the way that he asked the question is, is Joe Biden the legitimate president? Was he legitimately elected? Right. And her answer is, yeah, silly question. Of course, Joe Biden's the president of the United States. But it is like, that's how they always do it. It's like you never can use the word legitimate. You never can use the word fair. It's dog whistle for them to omit those words in that answer. And so, um, but it's also just like, <laughs> it's, it's like the conservative, you know, litmus test is like, yeah, of course we love Kevin McCarthy. He rejected, you know, the election results. It's like, what are you talking? Like, that is that is the proactive case she's making for Kevin McCarthy on television is like, look, there are people there who, you know, were holdouts who didn't vote against the election results. And Kevin McCarthy did like what bizarro world are we living in that? 
that's something you hold up, but that is literally the Republican Party right oh, now. So, boy, uh, we are hanging out with Tim Hogan. Can you hang out? Yes, excellent. We have to take a break here. I'll update your traffic, I'll continue our conversation. But I, I do want to come back to that. Uh, uh, all the all the Republicans who voted against certifying the election results, and uh, and you know, I, I I saw a comedian last night say uh, he's from Brazil and he really hopes that mm. uh, people don't ever try to overtake the government and go against the will of the people. More after this on WCPT. <laughs> We're driving it home. Till seven. There's new information. Explosive new information. It's how every day starts. The need for information. Get the info you need from Santita Jackson. Weekday morning starting at 6 on WCPT 820. WCPT 820. Chicago's progressive talk where facts matter. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. We can open up the phone lines if you have any thoughts about what's going on uh, in D.C. Take your phone calls at 773-763-9278. Hey, Lady B, I'm trying to text you at the same time. Can you send Scott Santos, our guest for 6 o'clock, the link for the clean feed for the uh, for his connection to us? He'll be on at 6. I totally forgot about that. Political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune and Dallas. Morning news. To your point about libertarians, my friend Scott thinks that he's a libertarian. Uh, he he's I, I, he's really sweet. He is not a libertarian. Tim, <laughs> I don't know what it means. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. Tim Hogan is our chief director of the new the newsroom for Heartland Signal. Follow all the work that they do because they catch stories you might not otherwise see. Uh, it's always great to see what they catch. Uh, everyone saw what was going on last week around the world. It looked it looked crazy chaotic. Um, I mean, look, there are. Even Parliament in in England is much more like they're like oh look at them trying to be like us. Mm-hmm. It's a little chaotic there, and they can dissolve the government there. Yep, <laughs> they can just be like we're going to start all over again. Right. Let's let's clear the boards. Yeah, and uh, you know it is uh, it, it looks more fun over there sometimes. Like you have uh, prime minister's questions. Yeah. How, how fun would that be? Exactly. To have your have the president forced uh, to come to answer some questions from Congress. Or honestly, for both parties, I think it'd be a good exercise. But uh, what was freedom, the Freedom Caucus's problem with uh, McCarthy in the first place? Oh, there are so many things. I mean, <laughs> they, they 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 view him as generally tainted by the concept of being a Republican leader, right? Which is like your two establishment. But there are a bunch of rule concessions that they wanted. Mostly, sort of, uh, you know, we talk about pay go, which is pay as you go. So, like, if you're creating a program, you got to pay for it. Uh, the Freedom Caucus really likes cut go. So, like, if you were ever raising the debt ceiling, you must be cutting social spending uh, by that same amount. Which is going to, again, which is what's setting us up for default here, because there's just not enough to take out of discretionary spending. A bunch of Republicans oppose cutting any say, any any type of you know defense spending. It's going to be a mess. Uh, we're going to run out of things to cut. And the reality is we have a Democratic Senate and a Democratic president who are not going to allow Republicans to go crazy and cut these programs. So we're going to end up in this position where likely, like I, I outlined earlier, I think Republicans are going to have to fold in the House, but watch them try to cut stuff in the beginning. They will. They will try to cut programs, and they, they do not realize they played this game so many times. How bad this makes them look with the American people, and that is part of our charge as Democrats is to say they're not just cutting government spending; they're cutting critical programs that people need that help veterans, that help people find homes or stay in their homes, that help feed people who are in need, that give people health care, and that's the debate we're about to have, I think, for the next two years. Well, to your point about they don't, they're not going to have the Senate, and they're not going to have the president. Uh, it, it definitely 
only for the next two years, which was why uh, holding on to Georgia was so crucial and gaining a seat that we didn't necessarily think we were going to get. So, you know, cinema and mansion can't hold us hostage yeah. there, right? Right. Uh, so that helps. That helps. Uh, but it also means that a lot of work's not going to be done. And they've already talked about how they want to investigate uh, Fauci. They want to, uh, right. what, they, what is it, uh, investigate the DOJ? Yeah. And- I mean, Hunter Biden. And at the same time, so this is just happening now on the House floor as we're, we're taking a look at what the rules package includes. Apparently, the rules package includes a proposal to essentially defund the Office of Congressional Ethics, which would be which is the arm that holds members of Congress accountable. So, like, I don't know, George Santos, for example, maybe like under he's under plenty of investigations already. Uh, but that is that's wild. They want to do their own politicized, nonsensical investigations and defund the arm of Congress that actually holds members of Congress accountable themselves. OK, so the ethics these ethics committees and the Board of Elections, I know that there's uh, an investigation by them. Having run for office, I will tell you the number of things that like I saw the incumbent do. Like, let's say, for example, Lindsay LaPointe used her own uh, her own office email inside the window that they're not supposed to use mm-hmm. them anymore before an election, right? And she did. And everyone's like, well, you know, you can't do that because you just seem like you're being, you know, petty or whatever. And But there were other violations, including going walking in between the blue cones, like all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff. And they're like, you're just going to... But And so to me, the Board of Elections doesn't seem to necessarily have teeth mm-hmm. and and, you know, they don't have any sort of, uh, you know, they'll just they'll, they'll slap you on the back of the hand and be yeah. like, don't do that again, yeah. is my understanding. But it can elevate an issue if it's if it's serious. You know what I right. mean? And that's sure. not, not, not that that's not serious. Right? right. Like you shouldn't be using official taxpayer resources during campaign season. Like right. That's why we have windows. Right. Yeah. Uh, because at a certain point, even if you're just sending out nice emails that are like, happy birthday, I'm your representative. I love you no, no, no. Uh, was, during yeah. the campaign. <laughs> you know, it's still a communication. So it's why we do it well, on the state level level on the federal level, it's considered electioneering. And yes. it makes sense. In 60 days, if you're having an election, probably shouldn't be doing that. Uh, but, you know... This was within 48 hours. 48 hours. <laughs> yeah. God. Yeah. Just a mass email oh, that's like... God. yeah. But, 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 yeah, it's because those are resources that your opponent doesn't have access to because they don't have a taxpayer-funded office, yeah. right? So it is important. And um, I think a lot of what... Sometimes for better, sometimes for worse, it, it sometimes I say for or worse, because you know there are Democrats that have gotten in trouble, and anytime anything goes to the Office of Congressional Ethics, the other side is immediately like, "Oh, I'm, I'm putting an ad out about that. You're under investigation. Right, you're right. under investigation." Which. I mean, honestly, just don't be under investigation. Like, if yeah. it, it's it, don't do bad things. So, um, you know, to to uh, to hamstring an office like that is a little uh, it's a little sad. Uh, yeah. It's something that we should have. Um, and we will see the degree to which you know it's being quote unquote defunded in these rules, but um, not a good start among many other things in this rule package. So, with this rules package, does this also create the committees and name who uh, heads the committees, or is that it, next step? Uh, I think. I think it will. Um, I, 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 it may not formally, uh, but I. So that I, I will look into that. I don't want to. I don't want to sure. say exactly yes or no, but I know it will establish some sort of special committees as well. Uh, one to look into the weaponization of the federal government, which is like a favorite, you know, Republican thing. Um, which, in uh, addition to that, will tilt some rules uh, and move power away from sort of like the rank and from the House leadership towards like the House Freedom Caucus, um, that'll be a part of it as well. So, uh, so the one of those uh, elements was the IRS. And yep. this thing, now for 
what, about eight months, this has been something that Republicans have, even when yeah. uh, I mentioned to, you, to Tim off the air about uh, watching C-SPAN, I had never seen that uh, part where people just call in and just say all kinds of crazy stuff. And for some reason, there are conservatives who think that this is a similar show. Yep. It is not. It's a commentary <laughs> show. Uh, it's editorial. I This is not. De- this isn't up for debate. It's up mm-hmm. for conversation, uh, but calling and saying crazy things to me. But the 87,000 IRS agents that yeah. people are like, they're going to be, you know, they're going to be they're going to have weapons. And, and I saw this video that was being shared on social media. And to their credit, when I pointed out, it was this, it, they said it was the training video for the new IRS. And there, it looks like people are role playing, cosplaying as yeah. IRS agents and like, you know, coming around corners and stuff. It was actually a college campus event oh, that was basically just like to, you know, give kids an idea of like, this is sort of making it fun for them. Yeah. And when I pointed it out to the person who posted, they were like, oh, okay, thanks. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But not like, I'm sure, not going to change all the hundred of other you know posts that they've made about IRS agents showing up at your house right. with guns, right? And and this isn't even happening. This is one where that's not what's it happening. Just, it just well, yeah, it's not what's happening. It's not. They're not hiring eighty seven thousand new people, and no. a lot of it's backfilling positions or people yes. who are retiring. Yes, and you know it, it's but it, but it does feed into Republican paranoia. But like at the same time, so it's their first bill, and congratulations, like the CBO put out an analysis of the first bill, and oh, okay, good. Oh yeah, the GOP. Is is going to reduce spending by $71 billion with this. That's good, right? They want to cut spending 71 Oh, I'm sorry. It actually is going to reduce revenue by $185 billion. <laughs> so their first bill is going to increase the deficit by $114 billion. Like, what? This is the first they call. They cry above the deficit all the time. And their first bill explodes the deficit. Oh my God. And at the same time, helps wealthy tax cheats who are like the yes. top 1% avoid paying $150 billion in taxes. Like, what are you doing? Uh, you know, average people pay their taxes and they're not under investigation by the IRS. This just doesn't it doesn't happen. Yeah. They pay their taxes in every paycheck. They're not they don't have secret funds yes. in the Cayman Islands. Thank you. There's nothing complicated about your average <laughs> workers taxes. These people it's just like it's I, I set you off on a rant. I yeah. like it. We like yeah. ranting Tim. It's just it's wild. It's like great start, guys. Yeah. Great start. Congratulations. Yeah. And there's a, a there's an F bomb in the middle of that sentence. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a word. Uh, Jim, Jim, do you want to rant? Hey, Jim from Chicago, what's on your mind, my friend? Hi, uh, this copycat fiasco down in Brazil with Bolsonaro caddying for Trump down there in Mar-a-Lago. I just want to make a reference to the Bible. He's, you've got two horses of the apocalypse down there. You've got DeSantis, you've got Trump riding uh, neck and neck for the Republican uh, nomination. And his son is selling $70 Bibles. Well, I suggest to Trump Jr. to open up to Matthew and see that uh, blessed are the peacemakers, mm-hmm. uh, which has been thrown around for 2,000 years. His father certainly was no gentleman. He did wasn't interested in peace. Either is Bolsonaro. And when you look at the underlying of this fascism, how it still exists in our uh, ethos is... Absolutely, I don't know how to describe it. What makes people want to be a fascist? Yeah, I, I can't understand it. And these people were paid off, just like these nuts that went to Washington. They, you know, Washington Hotel. I was in Washington twenty years ago. It was seven hundred fifty bucks a night for the cheapest hotel. These guys were all uh, well slept. 
So uh, they somebody was paying, picking up that tab. And same with Boston Harold's crew down there. And this is fascism. Somebody's backing this fascism. And we have to get to the bottom of this. Well, I mean, it can't exist. Well, look, I mean, I think that I think that, you know, Jim, I mean, the the powerful, those with billions of dollars, just as uh, Tim just mentioned that, uh, yeah, of course, they want to get rid of IRS agents because then the rich don't have to pay any of their share by putting it. Exactly. Yeah, it it is. It comes down to power and being able to make uh, people who you think are not worthy of uh, services, of protection, of rights. uh, They in quoting the Bible to them is nonsense. Sense. They don't. They don't actually believe in Christian values. But the, the corporations can drive fascism, and they yeah. have to be held yeah. accountable. Because if, if the corporations go along with fascism, then it's time not to buy anything anymore. You guys have a great show, and thanks, thanks Tim, and thank you, Pete. Thanks, Jim. Thanks. Let, let's take a break here. Uh, if, if Tim will hang out for the last yeah. segment, excellent. Uh, and if you want to hang out with Scott Santos too, Scott, I don't know if you, <laughs> you would love Scott. I don't know if you, I had a chance to introduce you to him. He was in oh. the studio a few weeks ago. Oh, okay. I don't know if you were here. Let's take a break here. We're hanging out in studio with Tim Hogan, the executive director, chief director. (laughs) I'm going to think of all kinds of different titles for him. Uh, He heads up our newsroom here for the Heartland Signal. Follow them on Twitter. They always catch great stories that you might not otherwise know about because the Republicans are doing all kinds of shady stuff everywhere. More in a moment (laughs) on driving it home till 7. This is WCPT 820, where facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are hanging out in studio with Tim Hogan, the the chief executive director of the Heartland Newsroom. Go to Heartland Heartland Signal.com. Uh, they've got all kinds of great contributors there, including our friend Dan Schaefer, who writes for the, uh, who created the Recombobulation Area. Uh, so Jim just mentioned uh, Brazil, mm-hmm. and I uh, mentioned uh, the fact that Bolsonaro is. Are all the dictators in Florida? Is that where they they go to hang out? I mean, yeah. it's just, there's never been a, it's better, a similar climate. Yeah, there's, there's in many ways. Well, there's never been a better time. I don't know if you ever saw that cartoon. Just saw off the entire let it just drift off. Um, I have family there, so I shouldn't say that. Me too. I, do you really? Where do, do they live? Yeah. They're in Tampa area. In Tampa. My, yeah. my niece is in uh, the Orlando area. When Trump won, she, she bought a, uh, you know, a year round uh, membership, whatever, the past to Disney World. And she's like, she would just go by herself. Yeah. Because she's like, I just need to be someplace happy. <laughs> and uh, she would just, go, I mean, when we went there, she was a great tour guide. She did, because oh. we went, uh, we wanted to go before they put Trump into the, the Hall of Presidents. Ah, uh, yeah. And we, and we did. And that was fun. My, uh, my family, I will just say, that is down there was happy with the result, so it's a little different Tim, for me. Yeah. Do you need do you, do you need a Chicago family? We could be your Chicago family yeah, too, by yeah. the way. No, it's uh, it's okay. all good. Oh my gosh, we're we're a split family. Yeah. Ideologically, it's Fair, interesting. Well, what's funny because my dad was a lifelong Republican. No, that's not true. My dad was a Reagan Republican. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had voted for Adlai Stevenson when mm-hmm. he when he ran in what was it fifty eight, whatever it was fifty eight, maybe I can't remember. Uh, but that was the last Democrat my dad voted for. My dad was born in thirty three, so mm-hmm. it uh, clocks. But um, and after that, he didn't vote for any Democrats until. Gore. He oh, wow. hated George Bush Jr. Interesting. Yeah, he didn't like the Did idea. Did he vote for Kerry? Uh, no, he passed away right out. I, oh, okay. I knew the end was near when he voted for a Democrat, too. Oh. <laughs> I, was like, 
It's it's a joke I've made many times. When he voted for Gore, I was like, no, what's happening? What, you okay? He did love, do you remember that Bush sent out $600 tax rebates Mm -hmm. that summer? He was like, "Ah, I guess he's not so bad, my dad said. Um, But, so back to Brazil, what, I mean, Republicans have not issued any statements. Only one Republican showed up to the ceremony on Friday for the January 6th attack. Brian Fitzpatrick. And uh, I didn't even know who it was. Yeah. But uh, it, it's all madness. Yeah. Well, it's, and, you know, the entire speaker fight that we just had happened on January 6th, and they just yes. basically snuck into, uh, uh, barely snuck into January 7th. But it is like, it is, it was eerie to watch because it f- just felt like we were watching the same thing. It's just like, we, except? We, except people wearing buses at the end in handcuffs. Uh, you know, I took notes. I was like, straight to jail. Uh, <laughs> you know that, you know that Fred Armisen, he's like uh, on, on Parks and Rec, where he's yeah. like, you do this, straight to jail. <laughs> um, no, you, oh, go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll call you later. But, <laughs> yeah, but but that is, um, that is you know, that that was part of the difference. Um, and I think it's just a question of like, see, are, are, are we doing now soft power modeling of the United States to other teetering countries and giving them a model for contempt for democracy. I mean, that's, that's, that's what January 6th was, right? And watching what Bolsonaro was doing, uh, same playbook, like casting doubt, no evidence on the results, getting people riled up, telling them now this was a little different because, you know, swearing in inauguration had, had already happened uh, for Lula da Silva. Um, but at the same time, they went and they ransacked Supreme Court, Congress, the you know presidency. It, it is it is hard to not see it as an inspiration. Well, and there for were, what happened, and there were there were people with ties to the to to Trump and Bannon down there. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not, well, it's Bannon a, was on his. Sh- I mean, he yes, was the guy you know who loves dipping his toes in fascism oh, in, in other countries. Why did you say that? <laughs> I mean. Like, do you remember all the reporting on the like the hot tub he had that was like a meth hot tub and like people went to his house and it was like disgusting. There was a there was a whole yeah oh my god there was like a whole series of articles about like this disgusting hot tub that. That uh, oh. Bannon owned. I, I just don't... imagine it has like just sludge oh, and slime yeah. along the sides, but, uh, blocking up all the jets. I'm we're going to get sued for talking negatively about his hot tub. <laughs> um, but uh, and oddly enough, too, just like very quick sidebar, not the only hot tub related person in the Trump administration. Do you remember Matthew Whitaker? No. Before he was like DOJ acting DOJ, DOJ guy, uh, I think after Jeff Sessions departed, he was a hot tub salesman. No. Yeah, really? they just like made a hot. T- There's you could watch commercials of Trump's Department of Justice head selling hot tubs. That sounds about yeah. right. That's yeah. all, that's like who was a uh, was it Hope Hicks was in her text was saying we're all screwed after this because yeah. unless you had a job lined up. Yeah, yeah. welcome to the party, little girl. Right. Right. And, and that, those texts were so interesting because it's like an insight into how staffers think. Yeah. And it was like, they were like, oh, I don't remember who they were talking about. Um, maybe it was, uh, what's her name? Is Stephanie Grisham? Is that her name? Uh, they were like, oh, she already put out her statement. Did you see that? It's so self-serving. And it's like, yeah, that's what people were doing at that point. <laughs> they were literally putting out statements being like, ah, I resign because they need to work in yeah. the future. Right. Not like that they were brave for doing it. They were just literally like, this is the end of the road uh, and I need to have a paycheck. So goodbye. Yeah. Um, you know, people are trying to trying to save themselves. 
Yeah, it's uh, it is a disaster. I I had a I got into a tussle with a guy named Gavin Smith, who apparently did some of his social media for his campaign. And does the name sound familiar? That name sounds familiar. Yeah, is he, he like the Proud Boy guy? I don't no. know. And I, and I think like so he posted last week that that the whole everything happening in the house was an embarrassment and all this stuff. So I retweeted him like, oh look, someone effed around and found out, right? Yeah. And uh, and then he goes out because I said going back to Reagan, if you voted Republican, going all the way back through Reagan, right? You voted for this chaos. Like oh. this was the end result of everything that they've been doing for right. the last forty years. And he's like, he's like, do your research. You know, I, I wasn't even born when Reagan, you know, was alive. And I'm like, and then he, and then he goes, uh, and then he, and he says, I'm part of. He goes, you're part of the problem with your tone and condensation or whatever. Uh-huh. Is it condensation? Because that sounds like it's water. Condensation. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was the condensation. <laughs> but what was nice about it was like how many people jumped on that because yeah. they were like, so your response to a woman is do your research. Right. You misunderstood what she said. Right. And then you you check her for tone. Right. And it was fascinating. But yeah, he was somebody who and I, afterward I'm like, all right, I'll look him up. Yeah. And yeah, he was this d bag who used to like tweet out all this stuff about Hillary. And uh, just nasty, like all false stories. Yeah, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's a human garbage." Right, outstanding. Right. And then he was embarrassed by the house floor. Yeah, yeah, but that, exactly. but that, but that, but that's Thank the you. that is that's like the that's like the <laughs> long story of this Republican Party is like, yeah, you guys, there's like you've. You have internalized rot into your party, and you are crumbling. And at some point, you look around, and you're like, this is gross. And it's like, yeah, you've been promoting this yes. the whole time, this culture of decay, of not trusting institutions, of tearing down people with fake news stories like they did for Hillary Clinton for decades, right. you know, and which was critical to denying her the presidency. It was like, as a decades, as much as Republicans put an effort into overturning Roe v. Wade, they also put an effort into villainizing Hillary Clinton and making men hate her. I, there's something that's bothered me since I was almost 20 years old. And so I only have a minute here. One of the things I, I will say, I think a big misstep, because they did. They hated her. And even before she was first lady of the United States, mm-hmm. they hated her when she was the first lady of Arkansas. Yeah. But why Clinton made her the head of health care? Yeah. I mean, like, take somebody that they really hated and then make her the head of it. Like, I thought, I, even at 20, I was like, oh, that seems like a bad yeah. choice. Well, then when they, I mean, like, when they first, uh, you know, were in the White House together, there was, there, and they campaigned a little bit on, like, a two-for-one deal. <sighs> that was that was a bit of it. And, you know, she, I mean, okay. I don't know. I'm, yeah, I'm just, yeah. I mean, or for her to stay with all the things he was doing, that might have been, like, the peacekeeping at night, whatever. I don't know. But I just, I think it elevated the hate for her, and uh, and it was what you know. Speaking of weaponizing, I mean, yeah. look at Newt Gingrich and the hundred day deal, and not cooperating with with Democrats, and and uh, there's so many things I want to talk to you about, but I, <laughs> it's almost six o'clock. Uh, and the, what are your last thoughts before you before you leave for the night from WCPT? Oh, I don't know on the intersection between Brazil, the Clinton administration in the '90s, <laughs> and Kevin McCarthy. Uh, yeah. No, I mean like I just it's like day after day, it sort of feels like stuff still falling apart. You know, like that is that is the the mode of of where I think we are. And I am like, we should keep an eye on our institutions, like make sure they're okay, and try to rebuild some trust. And I think that is like the great uh, task, I think, for our era is how to make something like public service, uh, something that's admirable and honorable again. And not only from the perspective of we have to elect the right people, but also that the American people can look at their government and be proud of it, whether whatever side you're on and not have it be something that you just want to destroy, because that is what has gotten us to where we're at right now. 
I agree completely. That's Tim Hogan, our chief executive director of the, of the Heartland Signal newsroom. Follow him on Twitter. Him, follow him himself yeah. as well as uh, Heartland Signal on Twitter. They always c- catch great stories. I, I've shifted over to Twitter more than uh, Facebook. Although, did you, okay, this is for another time, but just so you know, I'm just putting it out there. Apparently, they're going to go to 4,000 characters. I'm ready. So. <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts. I have a lot of things you people need to hear. Have a great night, Tim. Thanks so much for joining us. Right, I appreciate thanks. it. Uh, Scott Santos and uh, Stephen the Gold Coast. I'll get your call when we join uh, Scott Santos, uh, the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. You're listening to WCPT 820 because facts matter. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are hanging out now with Scott Santos, and I'm not entirely sure if I can hear him yet. Scott, let me hear you. Let me see. Nope, I'm not going to be able to hear you. Let's see. What else can we try, Lady B? Lady B is uh, trying to troubleshoot as we try to connect with Scott Stantis uh, through Clean Feed. Uh, and folks don't know that uh, we also are Zooming, but I can't hear you. Well, I, I shouldn't be able to hear you on Zoom. Uh, I was live on the air. Oh, here we go. I hear him. I hear him now. Woohoo! Is that me? That's you. Woo-hoo. Hi, Scott. Uh, hey, talk to you. How are we? Uh, we are good now that I can see you. Nobody else can see you on Zoom. I kind of feel bad. Hold on. Let me share you with the folks that are, uh, I know that's a ring light in your face, Scott, but that's uh, for folks Whoa, that are watching yeah. on our, our Facebook Live page. Uh, you can always go listen. into the light. Yeah, we can always uh, you can always listen to our show and watch my goofiness in studio on the Facebook <laughs> live stream WCPT's page. Uh, Scott, uh, how much of the pre- you when I last, last spoke to you, <laughs> I don't think you weren't watching like every minute like I was with a. I'm so popcorned out now; it's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, oh, you're talking about the entertainment from Washington D.C. Well, yes, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just so much fun to watch Republicans eat their young, isn't it? I mean, it's amazing. It's uh, I've I've never seen. I obviously we've never, no one in no. The, our, our this lifetime has seen this before. But this has just been remarkable. And then they're voting on the rules now. Um, so, and the rule change, I mean, I, I, have you read, I mean, you said you have, so you know all this stuff. Not I mean, all the rules, but I know that they they only need one person from the majority party to... I know, how crazy is that? Yes. So everyone, you get to be the speaker. I want to be, like, they could all just get up and say, oh, it's my turn, right? Yeah, yeah, but look at look at look at who is in charge now. Now, I, I need to remind your audience, I'm a recovering Republican, so this is, this is you know, this is... Used to be hard to say, but over after years of Trump and all the other stuff, it's not so hard. But looking at this, looking at who's in charge now, I mean, holy Mary, Mother of God! I mean, if you think McCarthy is in charge, you're you're you're, you're deluding yourself. It's it's the Freedom Forum, and those people are bat crap crazy. I mean, they are full on culture warriors. Uh, and they you know the last thing they want is any kind of compromise anything that looks like grown up governance so yeah the next few years are going to be just a blast yeah uh, I, even, I don't know about i mean it, it could I, I don't i don't want it to be something that's entertaining to this level uh, because it is a, it is a dangerous place to be when it comes to holding our government hostage I mean, so so you yeah. you've claimed that you're a libertarian, right? I don't believe you. No, because <laughs> okay. here's why: because this, <laughs> okay. like, this should, what happened last week should be exactly what a libertarian wants, which is government's uh, useless anyway. So, what difference does it make if they're not functioning? Because government doesn't function anyway. I mean, that, the libertarians want to get rid of government essentially. That we don't need. Well, that. yeah, but we're I'm, 
No, you, but you do. I mean, the grown-up libertarians will say we need some. You want to really pare it back as much as you can. You want to, and you know, frankly, some of the stuff they're going to vote on, I kind of like. I which, mean, which, what do you like? What, what? The continuing res- stopping the continuing resolutions on debt limit is just nuts. I mean, that's that's about as irresponsible as you can get from any perspective. They, we need someone who people who will sit down and govern the budget, and that and. I go on. This may be the dullest conversation your no, listeners because, will hear today. But, but no, what? no, I'm just saying that. The, here's what I like. There was a great uh, biography recently that came out. It was a bestseller on Calvin Coolidge. I know. I, yeah, I know. People are turning turning it I'm off already. Listening. Go ahead, Scott. Yawn. Uh, but Calvin, <laughs> Calvin. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Whatever. No, but Calvin Coolidge, during, while he was president, every day for about an hour, hour and a half, would sit down with the Secretary of the Treasury, and they go through the through the federal budget line by line. And I've, when I mention this to people, I've, I can't tell you, Patty, how many people have said. Well, I don't want my president doing that. I go, that's exactly what I want them to be doing. But I don't see that that's what, what they mean by that. And as far as the, the debt limit goes, it seems as though, well, from my understanding, is uh, stop as you go. Our, our uh, director of our newsroom, Tim Hogan, was just here talking about, you know, if we're going to, it's basically if you're going to spend on something, you have to pay for something, right? But, but not, but defense won't be touched, right? That's not, that's not what, that's not, it's going to be what they, what they call entitlements, which are actually things that we've paid into. So you are you sitting down? I hope you're sitting down. I think they should cut the hell out of defense spending. I'm I'm not surprised by that because you're not really a Republican, Scott, and you're not a recovering. But you're not. I know you're recovering, but you're also you're you're anyway. You're a man with a good heart, and you do have sensible. You just you can't let you nothing in your in your in the genetic makeup or not genetic, but like so whatever's happened in the last forty years. And and I get that you don't want to be a Democrat, and I and but you. I believe you're a liberal. You just don't like the fact that they're Democrats. You just, you're mad that there aren't liberal Republicans that believe there that there used the, to be. I I know, but you're that's what you are. You're a liberal Republican, and there's no space for you. I'm sorry that your well, party not, won't zero. have you. Yeah, no zero. It's crazy. It's absolutely nuts. I mean, it's uh, working. When I came up in Republican politics, I just love going places. You're not a real Republican. I go. I worked in Republican politics since I was literally 13 years old. I mean, I was one of those kids, right? I was a dork who worked on campaign. I was six when I went door knocking with my dad. <laughs> and he was a Republican. Right? Who, yeah. For who? Do you remember? Was, yeah, it would be Reagan. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay, yeah. Well, I worked on Reagan, both Reagan campaigns. I mean, it was – and there was – like I said, there was – yeah, there's, there was room for dissent. There's, uh, you had moderates against conservatives back then in the party. And now, I mean, uh, I, I will challenge thee to find a moderate in the in the Republican Party. Um, you have either conservatives or bat crap conservative. I mean, you just there's no. <laughs> you just that's it. I mean, it's it, it, it breaks my heart. It breaks my heart to see. Do you, I mean? Do you remember Reagan? Well, you 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 have some memory of yes. Reagan, but the uh, you know the eleventh commandment: Thou shalt not speak ill of a fellow Republican. I guess we've forgotten that along with the rest of the commandments. <laughs> oh, I don't even want to get started on Reagan, but uh, but 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 it, it is you know because even to Republicans, there's a lot of things that he did that Republicans today would not recognize as part of their party. Uh, a lot of things that he did do that they would appreciate, which is underfunding uh, education. But again, let's not go down that road. And a lot of the things that he did and set the ball in motion for. Uh, but I, uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, people are, I'm getting all kinds of texts from people in my community 
because there's a story out right now about my uh, my current alder person. Uh, and like part of me is like because one of his ex aides gave uh, testimony over the weekend in a deposition, and I'm like, am I in the documents? Why is everyone texting me? <laughs> Are you? Find uh, out. It's possible. Oh, it's entirely possible because uh, uh, our alderman called me filth when I was running for office and had a lot, a lot of vendettas against people in the community. So it's not. So he just wasn't trying to say Phil. Phil. I mean, maybe he has no. a speech no, no, no. impediment. There's, there were texts that, uh, yeah, look at this filth. How do, how do they look at themselves in the morning? <sighs> yeah. Oh, that's fine. There were people called much worse things. No, it's not fine. Oh, there that's are people. That's not fine. Oh, please. My, my sitting state senator and my state representative uh, weaponized the trauma of rape survivors, domestic violence survivors, and homicide survivors. So uh, nothing yeah. surprises me yeah. anymore. I mean, like, if, they, if people think that what Jim Gardner called me is as bad as with that, that, I mean, like, take a seat. We'll have a conversation later. But everyone's texting me while I'm on the air right now. Uh, let's see. Here's the real thing. Blah, blah, blah. X8. Yeah, they're sending me all these articles. Got it. I, I, <laughs> so apparently they don't listen to the show is what I'm saying. Hi, Bob. Um, they do. Um, no, I, 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 that's local politics. And you know how involved I am with that. Which is great. Thank you. No, I mean, let's talk. Sure. Look up, well, you know, I was just at a mayoral forum before. No, before we do that. Oh, you were there. I wanted to ask you about that. I, I was, but so hold on to that thought because I have two callers on hold, and we were. I think we we still want to talk about uh, what happened last week. Um, and I and look, performative uh, politics. I think that I definitely think that both sides do that. Um, but the debt ceiling thing, we can go back and forth on that, Scott. But I I, I see that as a an excuse to go after programs like so. And, and they have said they want to go after. Social Security, and they want to go after, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, programs that you and I know help people all over the country and all over the world, and they're necessary. Well, as someone who's entering his mid sixties, Social Security is sort of important to I Scott. Mean, just want to say, just saying, it's a, yeah, get that, that that nice little retirement there. It'd be a shame if something happened to it. Let me take a break here. We're hanging out with Scott Santos, the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune and the Dallas Morning News. You can go to Go Comics. Oh, I have to get back to that guy about uh, about the uh, podcast, the uh, Center. Senator, was oh, yeah. oh, you didn't get back to him? I, no, I today. You guys were- I, no, we connected last week, but he wants to know if I'm in. I think I think I need to confirm on that. So that'd be fun. Yeah, you'd be great. You'd be amazing. All right, you I, would be. You'd I'll, be a phenomenal. I'll give him a holler. All right, let's take a break here. That's uh, I was, we do sound checks during the news and we talk a uh, business on my show. I'll be right back after this. I'm driving it home. Brought to you by <laughs> Monaco Brewing, Kids Above All, and European U.S. Car Service. We'll be right back. Uh, we're here till seven. I hope you know that. Chicago's Progressive Talk, WCPT 820, where facts matter. This is Kirk Bankstead from the Minocqua Brewing Company, and I sell progressive beer like AOC IPA and Bernie Brew, a lovingly irascible Democratic Socialist lager. A percentage of the proceeds of every beer I sell goes to helping keep Wisconsin blue and driving the Trump cult out of our state. Enjoy a great craft beer and help your dysfunctional neighbor to the north get its democracy back. Now available at Arminetti Wine and Spirits in Woodstock, Illinois, and Famous Liquors in Lombard, as well as in Chicago at A&S Wine and Spirits, Back of the Yards, and Grand and Western Liquors, Ukrainian Village. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. And we are driving it home with Scott Santos, the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune, who joins us from his home in Alabama. Hey, Scott. Hey, if you could... 
mute mute the zoom. Oh yeah, sorry, in like, sorry. Because <laughs> when she doesn't do this, what you hear is like this reverb patty, which sounds. <laughs> <That's a lot. laughs> and I know that's what God's going to sound like. Sure. When I uh, <laughs> Scott, want to talk about what you've done? Just kidding. Oh, oh, uh, <laughs> let's Uh-oh. get uh, Steve from the Gold Coast has been on hold patiently. Thank you so much for holding on, Steve. What's on your mind? Well, I wanted to comment on this discussion, and I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, for many decades, going back to the Reagan era, you know, they needed these people. You know, the, the, the neocons were different than a lot of the, the wackos that are currently occupying seats in the Congress, and, and they weren't like Donald Trump. I mean, they needed the votes of the guns and Bible people, but those were, they weren't in control. Every couple of years, you threw them some red meat, and you, you exploited the Christian coalition and the, and the NRA and other entities, and, and you got their votes. But sooner or later, you know, these people, you know, grew their own sort of political base. And a lot of that took place vis-a-vis social media. They started to gather online and find each other. And they, they came to the opinion that, you know what, the mainstream Republican Party isn't doing this any more good than the Democratic Party. So then they, they created their sort of independent body within the Republican Party. And that's the Frankenstein monster that we see today. And I don't, I don't know exactly what they're hoping to achieve out of this. It's not as if we're going to get their kind of government. Uh, but they're, they're a right-wing populist movement, and we're seeing this globally. It's not confined to the United States, as Brazil uh, demonstrated, but yeah. again, it's all yeah. over Europe, a lot of other places, Hungary um, especially. I mean, so uh, it's nothing new, but uh, you know, that's the messy side of democracy is that you know, if you give people a voice, some of those voices are going to be crazy people. And and this is what you get. But, you know, uh, in our case, I think that we moved away from the precipice. Uh, you know, I think that that was somewhere uh, in the last two to four years, um, you know, in 18, 20 and in 22, the American people said resoundingly, no, this is not what we want. This is not what we want. This is not what we want. Now, if they want to go ahead down this path, then I think they're going to basically <laughs> do a lot of harm to their own party. I don't know what the Republicans are going to do um, in 2024 if they, if they think shutting down the, the government is, is somehow going to appeal to a broad base of voters. I think that that's a significant miscalculation on their part. And so well, I, th- I think that's their base, though, don't you? I mean, Steve, that's that's who oh, they're playing yeah, to. Absolutely. That's right. And, and that base will get 20, 30 of them in back into the House. It's not going to get them the White House again. I doubt it gets them control of the Senate. So, I mean, what what are they what is their long term plan? But uh, again, I, I know the answer to this. They they honestly believe that there's a hundred million Americans ready to rise up in some sort of a new American revolution, you know. And and they're just not yeah. there. That's, this is what they thought on January sixth. They thought if they could, you know, take the capital, that Americans, millions of them, would rise up all over the country, and they again, you know, that they'd reestablish some sort of new American, you know, uh, new America. Uh, and a new constitution and so forth will be born out of that. And the go harkens back to what uh, the founding fathers, their interpretation of what the founding fathers wanted. And again, that didn't happen because there's, they're misguided. They, they, they live in this communication bubble in which, you know, it's Fox and One American News and Newsmax and a few other outlets. And they honestly are convinced that 100, 150 million Americans believe as they do. They're just silenced. They, you know, that you don't really know that these people believe. And that's why so many of them believe that Donald Trump uh, won the election and it was stolen from them somehow, you know, because there, there are all these people who really did vote for Donald Trump and, you know, they just don't want to admit it. So they had to steal the election. So this is, this is their thinking. Now, the, most of them, if you've been in Washington, know full well that that's not what happened. They just ca- they're just catering to their base when they feed that sort of nonsense to them because that's the red meat that they, that they feed upon. And, but for the, for the most part, these people know full well 
except for a few nuts. And we all know who those are, the Bobarts and the Marjorie Taylor Greens and a few others who are, you know, actually, actually belong to the Church of Crazy. And you know, they're, they're not just doing it for political reasons. So there's a political advantage for them, but they, they actually are true believer, believers in this craziness. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I, I think it's time for the adults in the Republican Party to take control again of their party, to reassert themselves. I mean, when Lee Grignard says that, you know, this is the worst position that the Republicans have been in in 60 years, I mean, it's time to perhaps listen. This is not the, you know, Bill Crystal, Pat Buchanan, and William Buckley um, Republican Party uh, under, under, under Ronald Reagan and Bush Jr. and Bush Sr., that, that was the neocon Republican Party. The, this is the crazy Republican Party that is populist. <laughs> and like I said, I don't know what their end game is because it's not going anywhere for them. For them but, uh, I, can tell, I can tell you what their end game is, Steve. Their end game is that they – you mentioned it. You touched on it. But it's absolutely true that they really believe that this is the way – forward that there are millions and millions and there are clearly because you know donald j trump got tens of millions of votes um but they think there are millions and millions of americans who are going to rise up with them that think yes let's you know let's let's drain the swamp the only way to do that is to starve it of money so that's where the debt um the debt ceiling uh, vote comes in this these guys are um they're true believers um and like in any cult and they're fanatic and they really do believe that shutting down the government, getting rid of the government, paring it down, not touching defense, which, of course, is over 50 percent of the federal budget. Um, Absolutely. But, and, but, and, and, yeah, we all know we all know what's going to happen. They're going to go after things, very easy things to target foreign aid, uh, the National Endowment for the Arts. Uh, you know, grants to universities and and other uh, research institutions. I mean, you know, all of these sorts of things that are really easy easy targets to say, because, you know, God forbid that that one-tenth of one percent the money that goes into foreign aid or or the National Endowment for the Arts, you know, that's really going to save us if we cut that somehow. You know, it's going to save us from catastrophe in in terms of our budget issues. You know, but but like I said, that's what they're going to go after. They won't go after defense spending, even though that's that's actually where the money is going. And they and they know they full well that they could threaten to go after Medicare and Social Security. But those people vote. I don't care whether they're Republicans or Democrats. Yeah. And if you want to shoot yourself in the foot, go ahead and attack the third rail of politics and see what happens to you in, in 2024. So your question is, where are they going? I think, and where's the party going? I think if they, and and I think uh, Speaker McCarthy has shown that this is the t- this is the tack they're going to take. They're going to appease this element, and it's going to get them twenty five, thirty percent of the vote, maybe, maybe, and that's I think where the party's headed. Um, you know, I lived in a world where the uh, legislative, both the Senate and the House, were like what. And, and we're talking about the 60s and 70s. It was what, 60 percent, 64 percent Democratic. So, I mean, it was a, almost a supermajority in both houses for, year, for years. I think we may be headed towards that again if the Democratic Party yeah. can get their crap together. There's no guarantee of that. Yeah. And, and I mean, and it was referenced earlier on the show, you know, the, the whole uh, the whole way in which the camera shots uh, were taking place over, over the period of last week. Uh, you know, when uh, the House is actually in session, there are rules. Uh, with regard to what can be filmed. And usually it's a live shot that centers on that area right in front of where the speaker's chair is, and then you also get um, a shot of who's ever speaking. But you don't get uh, these shots that you can run into camera and just go ahead and pick and choose a group of people having a conversation. Because once they did that last week, all of a sudden, Republicans were bombarded by questions on cable TV, on top radio, all the time. 
why is it going to be talking with that person on the other side of the aisle? You're not supposed to be having a conversation. Why are you laughing at them? Why are you having any kind of a discussion with them? They're yeah. the Republicans who believe that you know, most people are the enemy. Steve, for some reason, Steve, we're having trouble with your with your audio. So uh, with your sound coming from your end. So I, I want to thank you for calling in. But we're, right. ser- we're starting to lose you for some reason. I apologize. But thank you for, no for joining the conversation. Yeah, it started a warble there. Was that on your end as well, Scott? Yes. I was yes. okay. I just want to make sure I'm, I was. I didn't mean to cut you off, Scott. But I, I, uh, I have a thing about. Uh, I mean, Steve. I have a thing about like, and I know a lot of our listeners. Uh, you know, especially when it's getting darker, it's harder to hear, and that was getting really warbled. But yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot going on, and we have another caller that's been on hold for a little bit. Let's get to Steve. Also, Steve from Chicago. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind? <laughs> Hello, um, I'm the Steve who called last week and castigated Scott for voting Republican. So I have to call in and say I'm shocked that I agree with you when they when they rattled off the uh, new rules that the crazy 20 forced on them. A couple of them, I was like, oh, that actually makes sense. And I was like, what the hell is going on? <laughs> so which I'm agreeing with Gates and Bobert on anything. So which one do you like? So I, so I just found a list of the things that McCarthy gave up and some of the changes uh, in particular. Which, which one do you like? Well, the two that I can remember off the top of my head, and this is something that's bugged me for years, and I know it is literally one of those things that is both sides do it, is the way you bury unrelated things in a bill. Like, you know, oh, we've got to pass the funding for the Army, so I'm going to slip in, you know, a swimming pool in my district. And from what I've heard, one of the things they're going after is trying to break that down a bit. Um, And the other one that I remember specifically was giving people time to read bills right. before voting on them. And again, I was like, how is that not something we always do? Yeah, so that is, so, and, I, and I believe that it's it's both uh, the amount of time that they are given to read, uh, to go back over on different pieces of legislation. Uh, so those are some of the, the rules that have changed. Uh, yeah. And the so the, here's the debt ceiling can't be raised without without some compromises. Uh, so it, which this is where there might be attempts to reduce spending on Social Security and Medicare. But the, but to Scott, Scott wants the debt ceiling to, to have some sort of uh, approach that is to him more logical, right? Scott? Yeah, that I don't yeah, know yeah. about to, to make a, a call on, but it was just those two that I was like, well, those are totally common sense, which means they'll probably never actually be used. <laughs> I do want to point out the one that they that uh, is not being mentioned today, Patty, I've been on that list, and that's, remember, they made a big deal about it when they were haggling, and that's term limits. Remember for, that? In general or just for leaders? For, for, the, uh, for the Congress. I thought it was for congressmen. Okay. Could, I, don't, I, don't I don't see that on this list. Co- I haven't seen any coverage of that at all. No, me neither. I don't see no, it on this list. No, it was it was it was up there early on, and now oh, it's it's gone away. Okay, oh, it's oh, gone okay. away. Uh, so, if for, I can talk about a bigger picture item too. Sure. Uh, that I originally called in uh, when, and I forget his name. Your regular who called in about fascism in the United States. Jim. Yes. Jim. More and more, I realize fascism in the United States is not something new and unusual. Right. Um, if you look at our history, you know, up until it was almost World War II or World War One, we didn't vote directly for senators. It was the state legislatures that picked them. Um, and uh, in 1939, there was a Nazi rally that was so popular, they, they raised it, they had it at Madison Square Garden. So I think because of World War II, we've all got this idea of Oh, yes, nobody American could ever like fascism. Nobody could ever, we could never do that. And I'm like, I think given a chance, there's a lot of people that are 
would be very happy to have a fascist government as long as, of course, it was people like them in charge. Steve, look at, I mean, look at polls that come out about things, I mean, as basic as freedom of speech. 60% yeah. I think of Americans say, you know, I could see some, you could curtail some of that. I mean, that's just, you know, sometimes too much is too much. And he's going, yeah. what, are, are you crazy? Um, who's going to be the arbiter for that, by the way? That's one of the, that's yeah. one of those things. Um, there's a great book out called, and it's very short, it's a short history called Rubicon. It's about the last 150 years of the Roman Republic. And Romans oh, cool. stood up together after Sulla the, uh, left, retired from, he really did step down from being dictator. But so 150 years, we're a republic. Yes, okay, only men, only ones with, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was imperfect at, to say the least. But they stood up in their pride in their republic. And we're, you know, we are Romans and Romans believe in democracy and yeah. representative government. And hey, who's the guy coming across the river? <laughs> And and then it's over. It is so fragile what we have here. And well, look at um, at the Magna Carta. It's one of the foundational governments of of foundational principles of representational government. But literally, it was the rich guys wanted power because only the king had it. So it wasn't like every every peasant in England got it. It was just no, no. We got to give power to the rich people. Well, it's yeah. reasonable to look at the Declaration of Independence, the the, yeah. the, the, the founders for the, one person, one person who signed the Declaration of Independence did not either own nor lease s- slaves on principle. Yeah. One. Yeah. Yeah. U- Uno. Which one, one was it? John Adams. Oh, interesting. Yeah, one of them. I, I always think of that song in 1776, Rum and. Yeah, I can't remember. It. And oh, I can't. Molasses to rums to slaves. Yes, great. Yeah. Would you like me to render it for you? Absolutely. Molasses Go ahead. Take to take rum. I don't have that kind of voice because it's it really takes uh, some some timber. It's, it's <laughs> oh, a, it's, what a beautiful sound! You dance with us. We'll dance with you in molasses <laughs> and rum and slaves. And that's the thing is that whole song. Who will sell their book? <laughs> <laughs> Is the deal being made at the cost of human uh, humans as uh, as yeah. barter for trade, and yeah. and basically the I mean look it, the song isn't what's in our but it's essentially those are the that those are the bargaining chips that they use that's how we got to uh, was it three three fourths a person. Uh, Three fifths, three fifths a person because of slaves. Uh, I mean, the electoral college, all of it. So, okay, we could go on and on about this, uh, Steve. Anything else you wanted to say before I let you go? Um, just speaking of 1776, it's coming to Chicago in the next year or so. Oh, oh excellent. Do you I, know- I've never seen it. And I'm like, I have to see this. I have to see the show. It was at, I believe, and I could be misremembering because I was only four or five years old. My mom took me to see it when it was at theater on the lake back in the 70s. But Aww. I'll have to see if it was. At, I, I just remember being enthralled by it and being really cold. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's theater on the lake. <laughs> it was. It was It was very chilly. Uh, have a great evening, Steve. Thanks so much for joining Thank the conversation. Know. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Let's take a break here. When we come back, uh, we'll continue our conversation. And Scott was asking about the mayoral forum, which I attended on Saturday, which was uh, yeah. intended to be a conversation for uh, you know to, to address the uh, issues in particular for the population that battles uh, in, you know fighting for inclusion uh, and the disabled population. Let's take a break here. More in a moment on driving it home with me, Patty Vasquez on WCPT eight twenty, the Heartland Signal. 
Tune into the Tom Hartman Radio Program, your home for news, opinion, and insight, right here on WCPT 820, where facts matter. Because facts matter. You're listening to WCPT 820. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are joined by us. Joining us is Scott Stantis, the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. Uh, We've talked a lot about what happened in the uh, House. Oh, before we do that, before we move on. uh, So there's a lot of conversation about uh, performative politics. And a lot of last week, Gates and Boebert and and a few others were, uh, you know, trotting out in front of the cameras and tussling with Sean Hannity and make, you know, all this kind of uh, very strange circus that was going on last week. What were your thoughts as somebody who uh, does not identify as a Democrat, uh, Scott, uh, to two things? One, uh, Representative uh, Katie Porter, Congresswoman Katie Porter, wearing um, matching her book cover. Did you see what she was reading? The subtle art of not giving a fart, but uh, with a hard K. Uh, that's she oh. was reading that book and her her shirt matched it in a lot of. I, I liked it. I just I mean like if you're going to be sitting there for 15 rounds of voting over four days and you you can't go anywhere, you may as well get some attention and some screen time. Uh, so if you didn't know about that, but then what did you think? Uh, how much of uh, of the speech did you hear from Hakeem Jeffries? I did not actually. Okay. Then there's nothing to talk about. <laughs> no, minority leader. Yeah, I, yes. What, what, I, look, I thought it was great. I, thought, I mean, look, it was like 1 a.m. Oh, he's a smart guy. Yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, I mean, and come it, on. And it was interesting that uh, that spe- former Speaker uh, Emeritus uh, Nancy Pelosi did not hand over the gavel. She gave the gavel to uh, to minority what did leader. What you think of that? Uh, well, I mean, why, why? Why should she Why should she have that picture when, when Kevin McCarthy says he can't wait to get the gavel? It'll be tempting for him not to hit her with it. Why? Why? Why should he? She put herself in a situation where that's going to be the picture that he can sort of gloat over. Ha ha ha! I mean, I don't. That was great. I, no, no, no. That's, that's, he said he would be tempted not to hit her with it. Why should? Oh, she I know. A, I get that. No, I get it. I, absolutely I, not. I, I, yeah, but I'm just. I just. Is, is someone going to step up and be the adult in this? And I just, why? Why? Why should? No, no, no. That one I think is beyond the pale. To, and, and there were other conservatives. Did you see that one? One Republican said uh, one less gavel for her her husband not to get in a fight over. Uh, in his underwear. So, I mean, like, not, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think it was great. And I think that it was, it was showing like, here's our new leader. We voted for him 15 times in a row. And there was one Republican uh, who said, uh, someone was arguing with me about how the Democrats, of course, they all voted in solidarity. They're like the sheep going to the slaughterhouse. And I'm like, why why would you use the word slaughter? Exactly. Why, you know, why are you using the word slaughter? Why, Why did that name come to mind? And he was like, oh, it's just, it's just a metaphor. No, 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 no. You use specifically, like people say sheep, you know, jumping off a cliff. They don't say slaughterhouse about a group that they hate unless they mean it. Anyway, I, I don't. So to your, your thinking is that that was performative as well to not have Speaker Pelosi emeritus. Oh, give of course. Him. OK. Yeah, of course. No, but I but by, you know, what you're saying. Yeah. I mean, there, there has to be an element of to hell with them. I'm not going to give them yeah. that picture. I'm not going to give them that gloat. Um, but you hear what I'm saying, don't you? I mean, that was that someone has to step up, and it's just like, and and yeah, why does it always have to be the Democrats, or why would does it have to be? Because somebody has to be the grown up here, and I don't know when that happens. I mean, we have a what the State of the Union is coming up, and how bad is that going to be? I mean, how and that get, and that's become performative and and preposterous. It's become embarrassing to me as an American who loves that kind of statecraft. I mean, you and I are the same 
mold that way. We love that stuff. We, yep. I mean, we, we believe in that stuff. And you just know that it's going to be one side stands up and applauds something and the other side stands up and applauds their stuff. And it's just gotten worse and worse and worse to the point where I just wish they would just stop it. Well, and, just- and the norms. What we, what you and I appreciate are the things that uh, the people we all quietly accepted as what is pr- proper, right? Not yelling liar. I mean, when for me, the first time yeah. I remember it was Obama was when Republicans were yelling. I mean, like, look, he yeah, he took a dig at the Supreme Court for voting on Citizens United, uh, and then there was somebody called him a liar. Did anyone yell? I can't remember now if anyone yelled at Trump during a uh, State of the Union. I mean, they might have rumbled and worn white they suits. Did. Don't forget the la- one of his, I think it was one of the last State of the Unions when Nancy Pelosi tore his speech up at the end of it. Yeah, but that wasn't yelling in the middle of it. That was really funny. I mean, she looked like a, she looked very, you know, it was a bit much, but it was performative. But no <laughs> yes. one yelled at him. Did anyone yell at him during his, because if anyone needs to be yelled at, it's definitely that dude. Well, giving a medal to, um, uh, God, I'm having a, I'm having a mental Not moment. Rush Limbaugh. Right? Sorry, Gave, but, <laughs> yeah, the, the Rush Limbaugh thing. Yeah. The Rush Limbaugh thing. I'm just going, that was yeah. so inappropriate. And, but they just, you know, and this is where we've come with our politics. You're right about the liar. I was aghast when that happened with President Obama was giving the address. I mean, you just don't do that. I mean, there's, I mean, I guess you do now. I don't know. They do. I mean, I to your point about is who has to be the, look, uh, I, it's not, you know, the, the idea of tit for tat, but. When you when I called my senator's office, Dick Durbin's office, when uh, they were they were forcing Al Franken to step down, uh, that was the answer I was getting from his aides was, well, you know, we can't tell the Republicans that they're being improper when it was like this guy was a, a pedophile. Roger, what's his name down uh, down south? Uh, they were like, well, if they're you know, if, if they're not going to hold their own responsible, we certainly should hold our, our own responsible. And we we lost a pretty powerful figure in in the chamber. You know, because we want to take the higher, be the better person in the room. And I'm not saying I'm not negating all the women that came forward, but it didn't even go through the proper investigations at all. They didn't even want to wait for that. They were like the allegations were enough to make him step down. Yeah. Yeah. And that and that was wrong. I mean, in hindsight, that was wrong, too. I've never been a fan of Al Franken. He and I got into an argument over dinner. I mean, like a real what? screaming. You've never told me pounding. this. What'd you get an argument I over? I had. Huh? Uh, a time that the media was giving to uh, this was during the uh, uh, oh boy was this two thousand two thousand four I think it was a two thousand four election. No, so before he was in office, two thousand two thousand. Yes, he was still a comedian, but he was you know, clearly aiming that way. Um, and so yeah, I was talking about how when they would report on uh, George W. Bush, they would just they would quote him, but they would all they would show video of Gore giving his speech. And I thought he said, that's not true. I go, it's absolutely true. He says, who told you that? I go, I did. I watched it and had a stopwatch. I have a, you know, on my wrist. It's and we just got into it after that, that how the coverage of the 2000 race, I thought, was um, not not particularly well balanced. And uh, we disagreed. I, I, I think in Chicago, the host had to break up. in Chicago, it was definitely tipped towards Bush. And it was always about how boring Gore was. And I actually uh, placed some angry phone calls into some of the newsrooms around the Chicagoland area that year because it was definitely tipped against Gore. That was just that's that I, I that was my 
Interesting. That, oh, okay. yeah. I have five messages of Ron Majors uh, calling me back and explaining himself and uh, and that, that he was going by the tone from uh, people that he spoke to at the convention. But yeah. Oh, yeah. I, no, no, no. I lit in it. And, so, and I was only what? Gosh, I was only 28, nine at the time. And I was yelling at, uh, at journalists in Chicago. Anyway, that was my take on it. Let's get to, uh, uh, there's a listener that wants to talk about uh, Trump and Roosevelt. So when we come back, I, I want to take this call now because I want to talk about the mayoral campaign when we come back after this. Hey, Roosevelt, what's on your mind? How are you guys doing? How are you doing, Scott? How are you doing, Patty? Thank you for taking my call. And yes, uh, uh, the, the way I've seen it through the course from the 80s till now, and I'm bringing uh, Reagan uh, similarities uh, with Reagan and and Trump. Trump learned a lot and mimicked a lot of the stuff that Reagan did. For instance, the Republican Party has always needed the aid of religion. Yeah. In their in their politics, and on, and on the other hand, they 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 needed. People uh, in the media, for instance, Rush Limbaugh was invited to the White House, I believe, with Reagan. And that's where I see the beginning of the split in this nation. We're a divided nation. And it started with Reagan hooking up. And I'm sorry to use the word hooking up. And I don't mean that in that sense, of course. Right. Coupling. It's like a train thing. Connecting the cars yeah. of crazy, yeah. crazy cars. So, so, so hooking up with Limbaugh to the point that look what Trump did. He gave a medal to Rush Limbaugh. Now, I question what did Rush Limbaugh do for this country or, for that matter, for the peace of this country, the, you know, something positive for the nation to deserve a medal. And it started... Scott, with Reagan. And then he hooked up with Billy Graham, also uh, Reagan. So I, I don't believe Reagan, I, I don't remember him being a religious man. As a matter of fact, his wife, was, wasn't she in the astrological thing or something? Yeah, that yeah they, they both were. Oh. So, <laughs> so what do you think about that, Scott? Well, isn't that deceiving? Isn't that putting uh, uh, put in a... Put, didn't Reagan put it over on the people that to uh, people were suggest you know assumed that Reagan was a religious man by the way that he was seen with uh, Billy Graham and to be specific uh, the meetings that they had or the, the the and then to Rush Limbaugh let's not forget about Rush Limbaugh because I believe he was a big factor in the division of this country and to to the point that we got. Uh, Donald Trump. I believe that's what led to Donald Trump, because Rush Limbaugh pointed out the uh, the racism, and he was one of the guys that spearheaded that that uh, division. So I don't know what you think, Scott, but I, I see it as a big big detriment to this country. And, and oh, I think I th that, here. Let, let him answer, Roosevelt. Thank you. Oh, I, I was just going to say, I think you're right about Rush Limbaugh being divisive. There's no question that was always his spiel. He, and what's curious is that he's the one who single-handedly broke the mold of uh, equal time. If you remember this prior to that, if you said something about, you know, one candidate, you had to give equal time to the other candidate. And that got because they said, well, this is just entertainment. Um, Rush Limbaugh also came on and touched a nerve in America, which I still 
and Patty and I have gone round and round on this, and I, and, and I have to concede that she was right, and I was wrong. I was hoping we were better um, than – but Rush was pointing to a, a, a disenfranchised people, especially in Rust Belt states, um, saying, listen, these people don't care about you. These people don't care about your jobs. They don't care about your children. We do. We understand. You know, you think you're being beat up. You think that you are under duress. You are – you are absolutely right. And part of that is, yeah, that's a racist. There are racist dog whistles involved in that. There's no question. And that's partially where this came from. I don't know Rush Limbaugh. I'm not sure if he was active during Reagan. I don't remember him being active during the Reagan administration. I, I know that he was, certainly was during the Clinton, and that's when he was in the ascent. Because um, when he fought against you know Bill Clinton, who was – Clearly, very much in favor of of, of uh, minority and marginalized communities and their rights, and so you know, I, yes, you know, I think Rush Limbaugh, the power of Rush Limbaugh, and the, and frankly, what he did to this country and to our the the, the political discourse is uh, will you know follow him all the way to hell. I suspect. Thanks for calling, Roosevelt. I've got to get to the break. Okay, thanks so much. Thank you. Take Thank care. You. Let's take a break Thank here, you, and we'll talk a little bit about Chicago politics when we come back. You're listening to Driving at Home with me, Patty Vasquez, and our guest, Scott Stantis, the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune and the Daily Morning News. You can go to gocomics.com to look at all of his great work. More after this. Hey, hey. WCPT 820, Chicago's progressive talk, where facts matter. This is Kirk Bankstead from the Manaqua Brewing Company, and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of every can of Choice Hard Seltzer you buy goes to reproductive rights organizations in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer this summer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Dino's Cardinal Liquors in Gurney, Illinois, and Sugar Beet Food Co-op in Oak Park, as well as in Chicago at Jarvis Square Tavern, Rogers Park, and Garfield's Beverage Express Wicker Park. Please drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. As we head into the home stretch, we are hanging out with Scott Stantis, the political cartoonist for the Chicago Tribune. And we were talking briefly about the mayoral forum that I attended on Saturday. Access Living did a great job of putting together this forum, had a lot of the uh, the bigger names. I mean, look, thank you to everybody who's running. There are people who, uh, one, have raised more money, have been doing this, uh, have gotten a little more momentum. Chewy Garcia was there, Brandon Johnson, Cam Buckner, uh, Sophia King, Lori Lightfoot, Paul Vallis, Jamal Green, and I believe that's, and I, I apologize if I'm missing everybody, but Willie Wilson was not there, and who would I... Anyway, Scott, uh, I thought that they did a a good job of addressing several things. Uh, I left thinking it was mostly, while they did address uh, issues within the community of people who are living with a disability or caring for someone, it it seemed to me the parts that I was able to uh, sort of catalog, and this happens a lot, it was two things. One, talking about children with disabilities, that's great. There's a there's a significant cliff that we are all stepping off of once our kids turn 22. And also it seemed to be more directed at physical challenges like people in wheelchairs and mobility issues. And there's a lot more to that. What are your thoughts, uh, Scott? What would you like to hear from our mayoral candidates? Well, I want to see them commit to making Chicago a city that's that is, you know, Comfortable for people with disabilities. It's not right now. I mean, the sidewalks are, the streets are in terrible shape. Sidewalks are in terrible shape. Getting around, if you have a disability, a physical disability, it's it's tough. But I also wanted. You said they did talk about mental illness, which is more and more of an issue. 
Paul Vallis said that, uh, proposed putting uh, mental health clinics in the police stations. If I if I understood his answer correctly, uh, or part of that, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know if people. I don't know if that means that when they have a situation, rather than taking them to jail, they take them to the police station that has a mental health. I don't know if it's supposed well, to be a clinic. Well, I got to tell you, you know how screwed up this country is. This is how screwed up this country is, Patty. I mean, uh, truly. The and you know the answer to this because we've had this discussion before. The number one center. Housing for the mentally ill in mm-hmm. the United States of America, the richest country in the world, the greatest country the world has ever seen. The number one housing for mental illness is our prisons. Yes. Prison. Yeah. Prison. Which, by the way, the prisons have been cut back so significantly and privatized so significantly yeah. that the mental health they offer there. Uh, I have actually have a cousin who has recently gone to work for the correction facilities in Arizona and talking to him about this very issue. He says, it's crazy. They don't, I mean, no, no plan words intended. It was, they do not address this issue in a serious fashion. So if you have a mental illness, if you have a breakdown, we throw you in the clink. I thought several of the candidates addressed that, including, uh, including commissioner, uh, Brandon Johnson, uh, it, it was it was a lot, uh, but I, well, we are hosting our own forum, by the way, Scott, on February on January January twenty sixth at noon. We'll have Cynthia Jackson, me, Jonas, and Jonas Bazito. So I uh, we'll see what happens there, and I will make and I know that we'll have uh, mental health as an issue. Uh, it, how many candidates are going to be there? All, I, mean, I believe many? we have all the big names again too. I think that almost everybody has confirmed, but I have Where to. Are you holding this. Uh, okay. Bloomberg, I believe Bloomberg, Chicago. We'll, we'll find out how we can invite folks to it. But uh, let folks know, well, before we go, where can folks find everything that you do, Scott? Uh, just go to gocomics.com slash Scott Stantis, one word, or gocomics.com slash Prickly City. You can go to the Chicago Tribune or the Dallas Morning News and see a gallery of the work I do for them. So there you go. Outstanding, it's Scott. Have a great us. night. I'll see you. We'll have Scott next uh, next Monday, and tomorrow it's Jess Piper, the Dirt Road Progressive. I'm so excited about this tomorrow. She's oh, that's in Missouri. Awesome. Yeah, very excited. Have a great night, everybody. Be well. Thank you, Lady B. Mike Crutes up next with Devil's Advocate.